Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Impact of Influence, the Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. Always so grateful you're spending time with us. Much appreciated. Uh, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker, that Facebook page is still up and running, is it not? Yes, it is. It is Impact of Influence. And we've got the other podcast that we're working on with Michael DeWitt, the Wicked South podcast. Please check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and uh, coming up in about, I don't know, nine, 10 minutes, something like that, we're going to talk to an expert about money laundering because that's been coming to the forefront again with Alec Murdoch and the rumors of him maybe gambling, that sort of thing. Where should we begin with the updates on Alec Murdoch and all that surrounds the Murdochs? Well, it appears as if Parker's bid to remove Tinsley and Vox as the attorneys for the Beach family and other of the boaters, that has been denied by Judge Hall again. What Parker's was doing and what they were claiming to get Tinsley and Vox kicked off the Beach lawsuit was uh, that they had done things that were improper. And the motion said that Tinsley and Vox used improper receipt and review of Parker's privileged documents and information. And they thought Tinsley should be disqualified from the case for its alleged improper disclosure of privileged information and materials and improper communications with a represented person in a related lawsuit. And Parker's attorneys claim that Tinsley turned the civil action into a multi-front war against Parker's. And in a second suit, Tinsley and Vox sought behind-the-scenes information they said would prove the existence of harassment campaign. But Parker's maintains this information holds client uh, attorneys and other legal privilege. So Tinsley issued subpoenas to obtain confidential and privileged information about Parker's strategy. They also say that Tinsley contacted witnesses in the case directly, despite the fact that they had legal representation, and convinced them to fire their counsel and disclose information to gather whatever ammunition they can fire at Parker. So that was tossed. And I think that there was also some question by the Parker's team saying that Tinsley may have to be a witness to some of these things, which would disqualify him. But Judge Hall said the cat's out of the bag. He says, you know, Tinsley can stay on the case. And there's also questions. So now we may see a lot of these confidential documents may come into play during the hearing. So we may get to see exactly what transpired between Parker's trying to do this social media campaign to discredit the Beach family. I think it might be some pretty 
interesting stuff to look at. And you, you mentioned Hertus Box. It's Tabor Vox, who is one of the uh, attorneys involved with Tinsley, in the Mallory Beach wrongful death civil suit. Uh, so that's why I don't think you've heard that name very often. We haven't his he his name has not been out in front as much as Tinsley's. Yeah, well, Tinsley just I think he did an interview this week with Andrew Davis from WSAV. He's been out there uh, talking to the media more than Fox has. This is your thing going on for four years. Uh, these a long time the, the crash, and uh, it's been pretty heated and ugly between Parker's and uh, Tinsley in the beach camp. Well, it looks like. They will finally get their day in court, which is set to begin on August 14th in Hampton. Oh, and prior to the hearing, Alex Murdoch's deposition will be taken from the jailhouse because he's one of the few remaining people uh, from the lawsuit because Parker's attuned uh, Maggie. Of course, she's deceased. And Paul, who's been driving, Actually, never, never sued Paul, I think, because Paul probably didn't have any money. But True, that's right. But um, I, I should have said Buster. Yeah, Buster and Buster settled. Buster settled because it was Paul that used his ID. You're right. Um, and Tinsley has gone on record that he will not be attending this deposition. I think he says he'll just ask his questions in court. Because he, uh, does he really want to go to jail and sit across from Alec Murdoch? I guess. Although I would kind of would want to be in there. Is yeah. that weird? Because I'd like to be watching Alec Murdoch. Answer questions. There's history between those two. I don't True know. Too. It could be uncomfortable. Next, it's the banker buddy of Alec Murdoch, Russell Lafitte from Palmetto State Bank, who was the accomplice to Alec Murdoch's million dollar, a million plus, multi million fraud schemes. Uh, sentencing is coming up when? It is scheduled for August 1st at 10 a.m. in Charleston in front of Judge Gurgle. And we should talk about, you know, he was convicted back on November 22nd. So it's been a long time. It has been. And he's going to face, uh, he does face, up to 30 years in prison for his crimes. And uh, federal prosecutors argued at trial if he knowingly participated in and profited from fraud and money laundering schemes with Murdoch. So we shall see how many years he gets. And he does still, he does still have a pending appeal, I believe. Daily Mail in the UK has an article about a, an Atlanta film company, some sort of film. There's a working title for it, which is Hot Take Murdoch Murders. Alec Murdoch tells the story about wealth, deception, drug addiction, and murder. Again, it's a working title. It was interesting to me that it said Alec Murdoch tells a story about wealth, deception, and dr- I don't, I don't believe Alec Murdoch is participating in that. And we've talked about this. No. You know, he couldn't make money off of it if he wanted to. What is the big controversy about this is this casting call. And they say they want featured teens, Caucasian men and women, to portray teens in the photo, 18 to 28, which were, they have their eyes blacked out, and they just says teen across it. And those are the boating crash victims. But the big one is they also have a casting call for the featured dead woman, a blonde Caucasian woman to portray dead woman floating in water. And they have Valerie Beach's photo, and they have float written across her face in red. And in this casting call, it says this person must be comfortable floating, splashing, et cetera, in the water. I guess you will make $200 for your appearance in this. $200. That's beside the point. It just, yeah, I I, I find it odd if that is true that they had a picture of Valerie with the word float across it. I, I hope that is 
So you never trust the Daily Mail. That's my problem. I'm not well, ever sure. Well, Tinsley's quoted heavily in this article. Um, and he says, whoever did put the float over her face knew she was somebody's daughter, that she had died a terrible death. Yeah. And he says, I mean, she should not be just, hey, we need a pretty young blonde girl to come and splash around and float in the water. And she deserved more respect for that. He goes on to say that he hopes that um, her parents don't see this insensitive casting call, that it would terrorize them to realize that their daughter had been casually reduced to a prop. And I don't know enough about casting calls to know how common that is. Is that just a common thing? Anytime they're casting for a movie, they have a picture of something they're looking for and and type. I mean, I, I, that, that, that would be my question. Well, and Tinsley says in this article, he says, whoever did this really wasn't thinking that these people are real people. And so many times victims get lost in telling the story and that they're just ink on the paper. And he actually mentions that he felt sorry for Maggie and Paul during the trial because he felt like they got lost and they deserved better. Uh, the name of the casting company is Set Life Casting. Uh, and again, a lot of things in movies and Hollywood and whatever, Netflix, HBO, whatever, there's a lot of things that are pitched, a lot of things that are, are go into production that never see the light of day, so we don't know. Well, Tinsley also kind of talks a little bit about the morality of all this. He says, referring to movies, documentaries, docuseries, he says, I don't know what this says about our society. And he says, my gut is that it's not necessarily a good thing. Well, there's always been movies made about murders and disasters and things that have happened in the world. Yeah, people are interested in it. And true crime is, I mean, we're in this genre. True crime is something that is interesting for people for one reason or another but i guess we all need to kind of consider that yes this is someone's daughter or sister and those sort of things you're just a little bit more sensitive towards it and that brings us to money laundering time with our guest chip cottrell he advises counsel corporate clients and regulators in a range of global asset recovery asset training matters regulatory monitorship sanctions compliance grievances uh, ethics artificial intelligence white-collar crimes, and anti-corruption, anti-money laundering issues. He is Chip Cottrell. Hey, Chip. Uh, happy to be here. Good to hear you both. Seton? Well, we've, we've talked about money laundering before, but it's been a while, and we've recently had some reports about some gambling connections and illegal drug connections, so we thought it would be a great time to bring Chip back on, and I think you just mentioned you teach a whole course on this subject. Yeah, it, it, it's... Uh... It's very interesting, and it can be very intricate. The whole process, as as we'll as we'll unravel a little bit here in the in the coming few minutes, but um, it is a it's an evolving um, uh, subject that is of great interest to the legal authorities as well as those that want to hide assets. Uh, so, what basically is money laundering under the law? It's a process that that generally the criminals use in an attempt to hide illegal sources of income. They, um, you could pass it through complex transactions or transfers or using a whole bunch of businesses, uh, and, and, and we can chat up a little bit about that. But the money is clean, and hence the word money laundering, of its illegitimate origin. And, and uh, 
make it into uh, like normal, like it's a normal business profit, and there it's therefore the money is is good, and there does it isn't tainted, and therefore you don't attack uh, attach rather the um, interest of the tax authorities or ah. necessarily of uh, legal authorities, and by having it at in this process, um, you're it's meant to be uh, a situation where you can. Um, use the money more freely that you've gotten through ill-gotten gains. Mm -hmm. One of the things that has recently come up is some connections with gambling and Alec Murdoch. How is gambling used to launder money? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to give you a real simple example. Gambling in its many forms, and, and, and it's evolved, whether or not it's a lot of people think of gambling just going to casinos, but it's also betting. It is uh, going gambling on e-video games. It's all types of things. And the, the spectrum that you looked at 10 years ago is a lot different than it is today. But um, let's talk about casinos, for example. People who take money and have cash go in and buy uh, chips uh, in, in a casino. And they take in money that they got through ill-gotten gains, put it in a casino, play for them a little bit, maybe lose a little money, maybe make a little money. And then get then when you turn the chips back in, you get the cash. And that cleans the money to a, to a large extent. And um, you have a trail and a path because if you're doing this, if you do this uh, the way a lot of casinos do it, they track the money that they receive and they track the money that, that gets paid back out. And that is really a common way of, of, of doing it. So they go in, they buy, but let's say $100 in chips. Now they don't know what's happening with those $100 of chips. So they can come back and say, I won $50 or whatever it is. And so now they've got $150 worth of chips. We don't know how much is clean and how much is dirty. We just know that they had $150 in winnings and they don't have to, yes. they don't have to declare it. So, that, that, well, yeah. Yeah, they don't have to, they don't have to declare it, Matt, but it's really interesting. If you go, people that, that uh, gamble a lot get statements, uh, legitimate statements from issued either by the state or the casino and the state together, because generally these are state regulated. And these statements will show the money that you've, that has been returned to you. They'll show if you hit a jackpot, for example, so that you can pay the proper taxes on it. And th this is an example of legitimizing what heretofore might've been uh, dirty money. They're not going to do it for 25 bucks or something like that, probably, right? I mean, no. when, when you get the, no. the big, big, big money, which would, I would think would make it harder to money launder because you can't go in there and, you know, give me $20,000 in chips without there being a red flag. Oh, well, oh, sure you can. Yeah, you can. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, a red can. flag being oh, like yeah. a, like somebody saying, hey, this guy well, has 20000 High roller. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a high roller. And I mean, people, you know, as we're sitting here chatting today, there are people, whether it's Vegas or it's Delaware or one of the other many venues around the country that are using and around the world that are doing casinos, cash is very much a wow. um, the biggest part of the way that money changes hands. So people, it's not uncommon to walk in with twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Now, there is a reporting requirement that that certainly these institutions uh, need to. Uh, follow right and that would be you know uh, so if it's if it's above a certain amount and it, it used to be like ten thousand yeah. dollars but i think it's it's like twenty five or thirty thousand dollars now 
And so it's it's really a different scenario than it than it used to be. But but money, cash is always used. And the cash that you that you're you're talking about in many of these instances comes from drug transactions. Mm-hmm. And um, there are people are receiving uh, cash for the drugs um, and they're fi- they're finding a way to legitimize that cash. So one, they can pay for uh, to the suppliers and also to so they can use the 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 the, the uh, ill-gotten uh, gains and, and profits on this for their own purposes. Now, in this case, we don't really have any evidence that Alec was frequenting uh, casinos or anything like that. But there seem to be some loose connections between some of the other people with maybe an illegal gambling den. I don't really see how this could be used to launder money. Could it? And explain it to us. I am not an expert. Uh, at, at this particular aspect, to be sure, um, but I can tell you that um, uh, you're, you're right, Seton. It, on the surface, at least, it would not appear that um, uh, what Alec had done and 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 what some of the other um, people that have been alleged to have been in, included in this in this circle of his um, have done for this illegal uh, gambling side. Now. Illegality of of gambling doesn't necessarily uh, get in the way of laundering the money. And one of the reasons that that can happen is that the illegalities might be that what is e- what's legal in the state of Nevada is illegal in the state of South Carolina. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Or what uh, and what's legal in the state of Delaware is illegal in in South Carolina. And you know this became a has become a bigger issue, you know, everything from the online gambling, whether or not you see all of these advertisements in certain states and then uh, for uh, gambling for uh, on on sports betting. Right. And um, you can't do it in certain states. You can't do it in another. That, that's still considered to be an illegal gambling. And and in fact, um, when gambling in Nevada was a, um, a, a, a not uh, was permitted there, but it wasn't essentially anywhere else in the country. You'd find these "quote unquote" illegal gambling operations where people would take money um, in various states, in South Carolina, I'm sure, being one, um, where they were, um, and then they would forward the money uh, to, to someone and make the bet in Las Vegas, and through a relatively complicated, but but um, uh, where they use telephones and actual people on the ground there to do that. That would be illegal gambling. Okay. Um, it's probably not it's probably not 20 people sitting around a table uh, playing cards and putting $20,000 on there. That does not uh, equivocate yeah. generally to, to, to cleaning the money. Yeah. But the other situations uh, uh, clearly did. Does, do the feds or somebody have an estimate on how much money is laundered a year or however they break it down? The best numbers that we have are probably four and five years old. And these are all just guesstimates. Right, sure. But it, it is, it's in the, the, the hundreds of billions of dollars, approaching trillions of dollars. Wow. Now that's globally. Right. That's just globally. That's globally. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, I would imagine that there's, there's a lot connected with this. And, and, and it goes up and down. Uh, you know, one of the, the, the biggest issues has been laundering money through real estate, right? So you want to talk about a way to 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 facilitate um, 
uh, a large amounts of money, and you can talk about billions when, um, if you look at the, the the property markets in various parts of the world, um, and you just have to go across the border into Canada uh, to see what um, the the uh, market changes in uh, downtown Vancouver, in downtown Toronto, in downtown Montreal. I was in Vancouver a few years ago. And it was crazy. Yes. There were the the amount yes. of of every every other car was a Lamborghini. It just was oh, really yes. It was it was really crazy. Well, part of that is is because of the regulations and rules in Canada that permitted this up until reasonably recently, and to allow money to be used to buy assets. Um, and most of it was in real estate because you could spend ten million dollars. So you've got people that. With, with ill-gotten gains, and they are trying to find ways to to launder uh, uh, that. But you know, they might bid up the price of a of a home, um, and it's nothing for them if they bid it up from nine million to twenty million, because they when they get the twenty million, they're setting a price for this. But also, they're they're helping clean the money when they ultimately sell it, because the sale is considered legitimate. And while there were questions, and and up until very recently. You didn't have to prove where you got the money from. And in many jurisdictions, you still don't have to prove where you got the money from. And the, 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 there's been an awful lot of things north of the 48th parallel in Canada where um, uh, the, 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 there's, there has been you know, $20 billion, for example, that came into the greater Toronto uh, 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 real estate market over the past decade that did not have proper scrutiny. You know, it, it's, hmm. it's, and, and there have been lots of uh, there. The same things happen in Vancouver. The same things happen to a lesser extent in New York, but it happened in a big way in London. And 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 a lot of the Russian oligarchs, a lot of the Ukrainian oligarchs, oligarchs from the from the uh, Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, uh, uh, the people that that, that socked money away, and um, uh, it is also driven up. The costs of, of condominiums and rents in places like uh, these big cities. Um, it's it's a, a way that for them to invest the money because no one where no one knows where it comes from, and the banks to a certain extent are complicit in this because generally sure. you're not going to buy a ten million dollar piece of property um, with uh, cash, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not, but, but some people do. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, the three of us aren't, but but right. some people do. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting scenario um, that groups like the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners and groups like uh, Transparency International, who are really dedicated toward looking at, at uh, ways of stopping this corruption and corruption on such a broad level, um, can, be, can be changed. So that they want to lose money, make money, or, or get even, because they, they buy this thing for $20 million in cash, right? So how do they turn it around and get cash back out? They sell it for... They sell it. But but even if they sell it for... Let's, let's use this example I just gave. If you've got $20 million worth of dirty money and you convert that into $10 million of clean money... Gotcha. You still come out a lot. You still come out ahead. Right. Way ahead. And yeah. uh, you, you come out way ahead. And a, a recent scam that's come up around this are, are whistleblowers. Uh, there's a, there's a real concern out there that whistleblowers will turn in somebody. For example, they say that is uh, uh, has got um, 
accumulated money, and they've done it in a in a in a in a really bad way. Uh, and they let's say they have you know ten million dollars accumulated that way. So they turn it in. Um, they the 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 whistleblower themselves is entitled to a reward for turning that person in if they actually if the authorities actually get that money back. And if they get the money back in this instance, and they're turning in a whistleblower for money laundering, there's been a, a couple of schemes worked where um, the money that was uh, that was turned in actually converts into if the, if the uh, whistleblower gets 20 percent of the money. So that's two million dollars. He's got himself two million dollars. So if it's the same guy that actually had the money before and he just sets up fake companies and all that to, to get the get the money cleaned, he ends up with, uh, by, by doing the whistleblowers, that he has converted $10 million of bad money into $2 million worth of good money. Oh, so the, yeah. the whistleblower is only blowing the whistle on himself. On himself. I gotcha. This is cutting edge, and this is part of this um, uh, recovery and going out and finding the money. But we're seeing this really on an increasing basis. And the authorities are caught in a quandary because do you stop? The uh, uh, whistleblowers, right. eh, probably not. Right. Or the and but you got to make sure that you understand the background of the money and how it's used, where it's come from, who the whistleblower is. You have to establish a credibility of, on that. But it's the same kind of thing in in any kind of fraudulent activity and learning how uh, this and whether or not it's it's money laundering through the gambling industry, whether or not it's money laundering through real estate or or other. Uh, uh, businesses, because one of the interesting things is this would be maybe even more appropriate in South Carolina. You've got businesses like laundering laundromats, you got vending machines, you got restaurants where cash businesses, you got people that cut your grass for for cash, and car washes and street vendors and all that. These are often used to launder money, and it those may be smaller amounts of money, but it, it adds up. So there was a, a series called Ozark. Right? Yep, and this was right to that. So he laundered money through the motel, whether or not it was the um, the, the business on the, on that show uh, through motel, or whether or not it was a it was a restaurant, whether or not it was a pub, whether or not it was a, a mortuary, right? Yeah, and, that's right. And, yeah, and, I forgot and, about uh, that. And, yeah. and a and a funeral home, right? Yeah. So those are legitimate businesses. That, that the money cash was coming in there, and it's exceptionally hard to figure out the, the the background of that money and 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 how it was used. And by the way, if you do it in the right way, including there, you had a casino. Remember, they had the casinos yep, on that river show. boats. Yep, all of that was based on the fact that was you know although it was a it was a fictitious uh, set of of broad circumstances on the for the show, but it was all based on factual opportunities that legitimate businesses were used for um, uh, money laundering uh, campaigns. And so you had guys coming in and, and getting more chips on the, on the casino boats or whether or not it was um, they were buying all kinds of new carpet for the, for the, the, the floor. Yep. Um, and, you know, for the floors that they example, and yeah. they just paid more money for that carpet and then they use that money to better it. So yep. businesses like this, and, and you can see it, you drive down the street and you, and I constantly do this. My wife jokes with me. I said, those guys, 
They never have any people there. I always think that about in, the mattress at the, stores. At that restaurant. Yes. yes. Mattress stores. I'm like, well, I've never seen anyone in these mattress stores, but we have one on every corner. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. 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 And, and, and how it's processed. Well, let me ask you this. Um, would it surprise you? You know, we, we've talked about all this money that's missing. Would it surprise you if businesses like this or real estate was being used uh, to launder money in Alec Murdoch's case? Not at all. Um, and because I mean, the probabilities, given the multitude of other things that we're hearing about coming out, and I and 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 one of your guests not just a couple of weeks ago was saying that. Um, you know, th- th- this is like the gift that continues to give in terms yeah. of thought, you know, think- <laughs> thinking of ways. And I still think we're just scratching the surface in some of this. Now, the authorities probably know an awful lot more than we're hearing still at the moment. But it would not surprise me in the least. Um, he was familiar with these schemes. Um, and, uh, you know, whether or not he used those monies in, in, in offshore uh, ventures, which I know have been talked about a little bit, uh, we haven't heard an awful lot about that just yet. And I think there's still an off, there's still more that we're going to be getting from the government and from the some of these processes as part of the the investigative disclosures as more and more charges are are raised. This is not over by any stretch of the imagination, and I'd be actually candidly surprised given what the fact patterns that we've had, particularly in the last eight to ten months. Uh, around uh, the movement of the money. Good. Um, anything else, Seaton? No, I think that was really interesting and informative. Um, is there anything you think we've missed? Oh, you know, I, I hey, I'm happy to come back. There you uh, go. If, That's if, a little work. If, if, if there is something, um, but uh, no, I, I don't think so. I, this is a really a, a topic that a lot of the investigators. I've been a forensic uh, investigator since 1977, and um, it has been a a career that I've seen evolve as technologies evolved, as other things such as social media, as communications uh, uh, evolved. But um, getting out in front of the, the criminals, um, because one of the things that is the hardest thing for the legitimate businesses, as well as for the officials and the uh, uh, law enforcement, is to stay out in front of this. And a lot of times they're playing catch up. So I think with technologies, we're seeing this uh, get a little bit better. South Carolina, the FBI, a lot of these, because these things cross state lines more often than not, uh, you're going to have the federal um, government involved in investigators. You're going to get a lot more bits and pieces that would be there as opposed to be covered up or actually totally unable to to come up. But I thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And um, uh, thanks for all you guys are doing. I continue to enjoy the, the series very much. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you for coming on. And it sounds like we will probably have an opportunity to talk to you again in the future. <laughs> yes. Yeah, probably right. Okay. Thanks, Chip. All right. Great. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And Seton, you got a couple of comments for us. Yeah, just a really nice review on Apple. It says, it's regarding the Collier-Landry episode. It says, I've listened since day one, and each episode is better than the previous. I especially enjoyed the Collier-Landry interview. He provided some great insight and perspective on Buster, and I'm also glad y'all are bringing awareness to him and how he's been impacted in all of this. Thank you for your unbiased work and all of this reporting, all sides of your cases. Uh, Fantastic. Thank you for that. We always love your comments. Good, bad, or indifferent. We take them on, try to get better. Yes, Yeah, we had one because we had a little bit of a mess up in our 
our description. So we thank you for pointing that out. And oh, some spelling. Yeah, yes. I was hurried. I was, I'm a dummy. I wrote like who's instead of who's or something. Yeah, it gave terrible. us four stars, but thank you for giving us yes. four stars, not one. Yeah, we blew it. Um, all right. So Matt Harris podcast at gmail.com. Impact of Influence podcast on Facebook and check out the latest podcast effort that Zeton May and uh, Michael DeWitt are doing called The Wicked South. And we'll talk soon, friend. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.